Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner Evan Preparis. Brenda's not on the line with me, but I do have another guest. Before we get to her, though, let's do a quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Enchanting, Enchanting Getaways, LLC. So they are a travel agency. It's owned by Nicole Willis, which is Matt Millis's wife, who's on the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team. And what's awesome about her is so because her husband is an OCR athlete, she understands kind of the needs of an OCR athlete when traveling. So... You know, depending on who you are, you may not want to stay in the nicest place. Sometimes we want, we want the cheapest place. Sometimes we need flights that are, you know, kind of conducive to getting in and out of an area and still being able being able to go to the, you know, the post-race party or the award ceremony or stuff like that. So she understands the OCR lifestyle. I just booked my first plane tickets with her to go to Tough Tougher Mudder LA, where I'm going to go hang out with Wesley Kerr, part of my Team Atomic teammate, and we're going to go do some multiple laps, get some good training in early in the season. So yeah, check out Enchanting Getaways. You can find them on Facebook, and uh, or you can. There's a bunch of links on the CTG Protein website. Joining me today, I have Kelly Williams. Kelly Williams is on the Strength and Speed Development team, but she's also been on a ton of podiums. So I kind of just wanted to bring her on and showcase one some of her recent accomplishments at Bone Frog, and two, she's a pretty awesome person. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Evan. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to read some more of your race highlights because uh, some people may not know who you are. So I'm just going to run through 2018 results, right? So Abominable Snow Race, first place, female masters. Um, Battlegrounds, third place, female elite. Uh, Toughest Mudder Midwest, fifth place female overall. So qualified as an elite contender for World's Toughest Mudder. Greenberry Challenge, first place female. Tougher Mudder, Chicago. Uh, fifth place female, North American Championship team event, fourth place uh, team for the elite females, uh, Chicago Spartan Beast, first place age group, uh, Warrior Dash Kansas City, first place elite female, Green Beret Challenge, second place co-ed team, World's Toughest Mudder, 13th place female overall with 50 miles, and I know there's a great story that comes with that, so we're going to ask about that a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, let's talk Bone Frog. So I personally have never done a bone frog event. I have my first one scheduled for later this year. But yeah, so tell for those of who don't know, I know there's multiple categories. There's challenge, there's tier one, there's endurance. Tell people about the different categories and kind of what it's like. Okay. This was actually my second time doing a bone frog. I did one two years ago previously and I wanted a little redemption. So, um, but the different, uh, distances. There is a sprint distance, which is just like a three mile. There's the challenge distance, which is a six mile. The tier one, which is a nine mile. And then the endurance is a lap of the challenge course and then multiple laps of the sprint course for, I think it's like seven hours or something or six hours, sorry, total. And then they even have this trident, um, one as well where you do the challenge course 
the tier one course and the sprint course. So there's a lot of options out there. Um, but for endurance, there's a, there's a lot to it, the endurance races. I competed in the tier one elite um, event. Awesome. Now, I know in the past they've done prizes where they do like uh, big paddles, kind of like uh, Battle Frog used to do back in the day. Are they still doing that? No, I was really looking forward to getting like a paddle if I want or something. But no, there was no paddles. Um, they were very cool. Um, like the overall award winners medals were these huge a really cool uh, design battle frog, um, just a, a metal. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their medals are awesome. And their trident metal, which you're talking about is preposterously large, right? It is obscene. Yeah. I, I can't even explain it. It's like a winner's medal with three other medals underneath it, all connected and dangly. So do you, do you, do they give you a medal for each one and then you hang it off of the trident thing? Or is it like its own metal with like, you know, I only saw a completed one, so I'm I'm not really sure. I think it comes just as one together if you finish the the challenge that way. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like a clothes hanger hanging from your neck with like metal yeah. everywhere. Is what yeah. it looks like. It, <laughs> if you're if you're one of the metal whores, one of the bling people, I would definitely you would bone frog. Yeah. Yes, you would love you would love the trident um, metal. So awesome! Now, what were some of their signature obstacles uh, that kind of stood out to you? Um, they have a series of rigs. Um, I would categorize them as rigs. Um, one is called the chopper and that was a fun one. And then I can't remember the name of the other rig, but it had a kind of a dangling monkey bars that curved up and then you had to transition into these two, like, like straps almost like ratchet straps kind of hanging down. <laughs> with some loops in them and then you had to transition to this other set of they weren't monkey bars but it was a like a traverse pole but they were curved again um that was probably the most challenging rig obstacle where a lot of people spent a lot of time um and then one at the very beginning of the challenge section got a lot of bands of some of the women um basically there's little loopy straps with like a little handle made out of pvc but so they spin and there's no lanes it's all haphazard and different heights so you're kind of running into other people while you're on it um that took a lot of the bands from some other women i think and it was ray at the beginning of the race too um but having done the race two years ago i knew some of their signature obstacles and um i learned my lesson a while back and so i knew what to do this time awesome now, it is mandatory completion for Elite. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Mandatory completion. Yep. And the Tier 1 is a lap of the is a, it's a lap of the sprint and the challenge course? It's not like a separate nine-mile course. Is that correct? No. And so there's some things that we've repeated twice. So I had to repeat um, two of the more taxing um, rig obstacles. You had to do those twice. And the monkey bar. Or they're, they're black ops monkey bars that are way up in the air. Those you had to do twice. So there's some of the harder obstacles you had to repeat. Yeah, and the Black Ops Monkey Bars, is that's, I would say, their... Signature. Yeah, that's their signature one. So you'll see all the people on Facebook. There's a giant yeah. American flag in the background. It makes it's, a really good picture. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's very... That, that race is super patriotic, and that's one of the reasons why I did it before. I thought it was, it was awesome. They had some... This, this time, they had a little different... They had almost um, a fitness type of obstacle. We had to do um, dips, 
uh, pull-ups and burpees on a section. And the pull-ups, there was only seven. They had to be strict, which not too hard. But so each time you do a pull-up, you yell out the name of a fallen soldier. So they're written in front of you. So each dip that you do, like 30 of them, you call out the name of the fallen soldier. So you kind of read down the line, every burpee. So that's kind of what they do in honor of the fallen soldiers. So that's something really unique with Bone Frog, and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I know they were founded and started by Navy SEALs. So obviously a lot of patriotism there. Um, before we get into my next question, explain to people what the chopper obstacle was that you mentioned earlier. The chopper. <laughs> yeah. um, the chopper is an upper body rig obstacle. Um, and it's a series of like spokes that spin around. It's almost like Savage Race's um, uh, wheel world, but there's just spokes on it. And with this one, there was like a spoked wheel and then a ring in between a spoked wheel and a ring in between, um, which actually was easier than it was two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, it was just the spokes, like tons of them in a row. Um, but you had to get your timing right. You had to get your weight shifting or you get stuck on one of those wheels and kind of spin into no man's land. <laughs> yeah, or if you have a long reach and are aggressive oh, you and can, comfortable. Yep, yeah. I had some friends, yep. The, my friend Dennis Pape, shout out to the training shop there. He was able to just skip the choppers completely. He could go ring to ring to ring because he has a huge reach. Yeah, Doug Snyder, we just posted oh, him. Video yes. <laughs> yeah. That he's, has him skip he's it awesome all the, too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yep. There's several people that did that. And everybody went back and played on it later and was trying. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I know Bonefrog just announced they're going to do a joint event with Greenberry Challenge in Texas. You yes, planning, I heard that. You planning on going to that? I totally would, but I think it's the same date as World's Toughest Mutter. <laughs> that's what it is. Yep. That's yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, I, I definitely would have gone to that because I love Greenberry Challenge as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, they announced it and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, what date is it? November? Oh. Yeah. Face, you know? <laughs> Agreed. So speaking of World's Toughest Mutter, Mm -hmm. You got 50 miles, 13th place last year. Tell us a little bit about that because I know there's an interesting story there. Yes. So I had uh, pitted for my boyfriend, Jason, the year before. So I kind of absorbed all of World's Toughest Mudder and did the, you know, the eight hours and some other ones in preparation for it. Um, did everything I was supposed to. I was <laughs> and um, so during the race, I fractured my foot. <clears throat> one of the long bones in my, in my foot, but most people know that the temperatures and stuff were super extreme, um, cold at this event. And at about 10 miles in the race, I felt, you know, a sharp pain in my foot, but I said, well, I'll just keep going, Kelly. Like there's nothing, what are you going to do now? So I just kind of put it out of my mind and eventually my foot stopped hurting. And so I didn't think about it. Um, and then I made it through the 50 miles, which was, I had to do it no matter what, no matter how cold I was, no matter what I felt like, I knew that was my, my goal I wanted to accomplish. And so I went into the medical tent after I, you know, checked out and turned in my, you know, timing chip to warm up because I was really cold. <laughs> and I took off my socks and uh, I looked down at my feet and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I had... And then one of the medical people came over and was like, uh Oh, so I had a huge dark <laughs> bruise. Yeah. A huge dark bruise on my, on my right foot. 
and then I had like four really gray toes. That's always a good sign when the uh, medical guy keeps his composure and he's like, Oh yeah. And then they call some other people over and you know, they call another person over and I work in healthcare and I was like, yeah, that ain't good. Um, so I did get, uh, I did get shipped out. I mean, I finished the race and everything, but I ended up having a, a displaced fracture in my foot, which was really severe. And, uh, so it did a lot of damage with the soft tissue as well. And so my recovery was pretty long from that. Um, I wasn't able to run for almost 12 weeks after World's Toughest Mudder. So to come back and win at Bone Frog this past weekend was made me pretty happy. Yeah, because that's like, that's like a month of tra- – it's essentially no training for three months and then a month of training. Yeah, so my speed was – I didn't I – wasn't, I wasn't super fast. However uh, – a lot of the women had trouble with the obstacles and um, I've been doing a lot of work the past two years with my uh, obstacle proficiency and grip strength and it's paid off. So you said you felt a sharp pain during the event. Now I know once people start doing endurance racing, right? Like there's comes a point where everything kind of hurts on some level. So how did you tell the difference between, you know, or could you tell the difference like this is an actual injury versus um, I'm just hurting from walking and running a lot. Like around what mile was it? It was about mile 10. Okay. That's like, early. That's un- really early. Unfortunately. Yeah. So I was still feeling everything at, at mile 10. It was only the second lap in. And, uh, I knew well enough that it was probably some sort of a stressed, you know, reaction possibly. Um, but then coming off of some other obstacle later on, it just, you know, it just snapped at some point. Mm. I, I don't, I don't really know. You know, that, at that point, I'm sure it was just, you know, a little something, but jumping down off a lot of those obstacles throughout the night, um, did me in, <laughs> uh, but I, I, like I said, I knew something was going on, but I knew that the, the mental preparation for that race and other things, um, you have to go someplace else. And I did, I just simply told myself I wasn't, I wasn't going to think about that. And I didn't shut it off. Yeah, no, that's. Absolutely good advice. I mean, I guess we can question if it was <laughs> good, good and bad. Yeah, yeah. We can question if it's safe enough to continue uh-huh. at that point. But yeah, um, yeah. And I don't want to give out tell tell people to push, push through pain <laughs> no. regardless. And, and neither do I. Time, that's not my that's not yeah. my advice. But it was one of those races that you I trained for a year, and I was like, I'm going till I can't go anymore. And then you know everybody hated the weather, but it was actually on my side. I was so frozen nothing swelled nothing hurt because i couldn't feel it so it allowed me to accomplish my goal and and get 50 miles at the race and you know i finished 13th place i was just like astounded so <laughs> you know the weather actually did me a favor by freezing my foot <laughs> yeah no kidding so let's talk a little bit about mindset on top of that so you're you know a lot of people get injured and it's a devastating blow right like it's the, it's the end of the world um especially for a lot of people who take this sport very seriously you know your life revolves around training and eating and and racing and then travel and that's why all your friends are in racing so like all the facebook posts are about racing so it's hard you mentally kind of overcome that um i guess part of your part of it was lucky because it was at the end of the year but for sure that was that was that was part of it and you, you I knew that I would need a whole lot of rest after world's toughest mutter anyways just because I'd never done something for 24 hours before that was the first time I ever did something that uh, long um 
I really, you know, I struggled a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, but I, once I took, I took a few weeks just off of everything. And then I would slowly just go back into the gym and I had a big boot on my foot. So, um, I would do all upper body stuff. And then eventually I was able to sit on a bike and put my foot with a boot on the bike. And then eventually I could get on the rower. Um, but it, it was baby steps for sure. But I knew that I wasn't just sitting at home feeling sorry for myself. I was still at the gym and people were like, Oh my God, you came back to you're you're at the gym. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I have three good limbs. Um, (laughs) I came, I, about a year or two years ago, I had another real severe injury and, uh, most people thought that I would just quit or stop. And, uh, and that was like at the beginning in summer time. And I came back and, you know, came back anyways, because, what I do for a living is I'm a sports medicine physical therapist as well. So I have 17 years of experience rehabbing athletes. And so I have some pretty good insight on how hard to push something and, and when to back off for things. So that that's what's helped me with my recovery is I have, uh, you know, I have the insight, but it's hard to do it with yourself though as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what other, if you have any other key takeaways, you know, as someone who does this professionally, you know, if any of our listeners are injured or, you know, end up getting injured later this year, what, what advice do you have for them that you may not have already covered? Um, a lot of times people just wait too long to seek out help, whether it's from a physical therapist or a chiropractor or, you know, a sports medicine doctor or a massage service. People just, they wait too long. And then sometimes they're six weeks into something that they could have found out was really severe injury. And could have been fixed, you know, or something that was very simple to fix. And they just tried to fix it themselves. So my best advice is to seek out help. You know, if you're still having something that's nagging at a two week point, you know, see somebody, ask somebody for advice, say, Hey, who do you go to? Or like I said, whether it's physical therapy, chiropractor, your doctor to get something started. Um, Cause most times people don't want to admit that they're really injured sometimes. <laughs> and uh, having somebody else look at it objectively is a good idea. Yeah. I'd say from someone who does a lot of ultras, anytime I've finished a race and been like completely messed up, like 99% of things go away in 72 hours. So yes. those, I mean, I think I've told the story on the podcast before I did my first hundred miler and I finish and I'm, I'm just decimated, right? Like I can't even walk <laughs> forwards anymore. I'm walking backwards. That's the only way I can walk with any sort of speed. Um, when I went to the airport, they were wheeling me through the airport on a you know wheelchair because I couldn't walk. And my mom was like, "You need to go to the hospital." And I was like, "I'm not going to the hospital because when they, yeah, when they point at what, when they when I point at something goes, does this hurt? I'm gonna say yes because my whole body hurts, right? Like yes, everything's swollen, yeah, you, everything's hurts. Um, yeah, you gotta let it kind of settle first and and see where you're at. So yeah, some people jump the gun right away. I twisted my ankle. What do I do? I'm like. Just relax for a few days. <laughs> right, yeah. Usually within 72 hours, I can tell if it's going to be anything serious. Um, only, and then I'd say some of the exceptions was uh, my own world's toughest mother uh, injury story. So this year, Saturday before world's toughest mother, so we're about eight days out. Um, I'm standing in the lobby talk of a hotel that I'm staying at for work, talking to some friends. And I'm like, oh, my ankle feels weird. That's odd. So completely, it was completely fine the day before. I wake up the next morning for like my last long, you know, 10, 12 mile run. And I can't run more than a mile. Like, like, I mean, I'm in something's wrong with my foot and I'm in pain. 
right? And I'm in like, at this point, we got like seven days to world stuff. I'm in like full panic mode. Um, yeah. So I started like emailing my friends, uh, you know, Jared Renier and William Shell, both on the strength and speed development team about, you know, what can I do? And they're giving me some advice. You know, so I, I take two days off, try to run again. I can't run. Um, at this Oof. point, I'm like, all right, I need to go to the hospital like now. So I went to the <laughs> hospital. They gave me ibuprofen and um, uh, what you call it, corticosteroids, right? And okay. I was so like, I was like, well, I technically have a doctor note, so I should be allowed to take this. But I was so like paranoid. I was like, all right, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, taking with it. the medications. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not taking it at all. So I took the ibuprofen, and that was it. And, oh wow. Um. <laughs> And it was something where like, I, I could tell I'd be fine in another week, but I didn't mm-hmm. have a week. I needed, I had three days. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it ended up, yeah, it was just ibuprofen and rest and some icing and me sitting on my butt for a couple of days. It ended up going, whatever was wrong with my foot, I uh, went back to normal. And during World's Toughest, a couple of times, like I stepped weird and I could feel the same like shooting pain. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what it, something was inflamed. I don't know what it was. It went away. So that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes you don't have time to wait either. You do. You have to figure out what's going on if you've got a big event coming up. Yeah. And that's the one nice thing about being in the military. And we had pretty good access to, you know, medical treatment. And then on top of that, uh, you know, the doctor who saw me was a special forces guy. So he like, he could understand where I was coming from. I was like, listen, I don't like, I know I'll be fine in two weeks. Like I need to be fine in three days, you know? And he's like, yeah, I gotcha. I was like, okay. Um, so. Awesome. I remember you telling me that story at Worlds. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone ahead of time because I was just like, I was completely freaking out, and I like, <laughs> I went, I went completely black on social media. I mean, most people won't won't remember that, but like, I stopped looking at social media for the whole week. Uh, just yeah, I was, you know, it, it was just like increased my anxiety level. But. For sure. And I know you had some other. You kind of mentioned it before. You've had some other pretty significant injuries in OCR. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, guess, I did tell us a little um, bit about that and how you came back from that I one. Know. Um, so in, I think it was July of 2017. Um, I was at uh, a frontline OCR and, uh, made a dumb mistake <laughs> and I didn't take, I was doing a rope kind of thing and I had gloves on and I just didn't take my gloves back off to do this next thing. And it was like a, for real Irish table not the kind that you can like put your legs around, but um, with the flat top on it. And I'm very short. And so some things that are tall are difficult for me to do. And basically I got up and slipped and I fell about seven or eight feet onto my head and my neck and shoulder. And uh, I didn't move. I laid there cause I knew something, something bad happened. Um, I had instantaneous pain in my neck. I had an instant headache. Um, and uh, I, I, I knew something was bad. And luckily, one of my teammates at the time and uh, Kevin uh, Resick was his athletic trainer, too. And he came by and took off my 15-pound weight vest because <laughs> it had Velcro straps on top. And he could tell that I shattered my clavicle, my collarbone. So what ended up happening is um, I shattered my collarbone. Um, I had a herniated disc two spots on my neck. Um, I had a superior end plate compression fracture, which that's real sciencey sounding, but it's a small compression fracture on the top of one of the vertebrae. 
Um, and then I had a concussion as well. Uh, <laughs> so that was a pretty big injury to uh, come back from. And that was in July. And yeah, I, I remember felt, that. That was like right in the middle of OCR season. I remember. Yeah, I was just like, that was a bummer. You know, I couldn't even run for four weeks because of my arm. I couldn't even do that either. So that was, yeah, I lost a lot of ground, a lot more ground on that injury. But uh, OCR WC was in Canada that year. And I'd already qualified at the battlegrounds, I think, in May. And so my goal come hell or high water was to go to OCR WC. You know, I knew I wasn't going <laughs> to finish with my band. Um, but it was like 16 weeks post-op and, uh, I remember, I mean, I, when I, like I finished the monkey bars at OCRWC and I, you would have thought I won the lottery, you know, <laughs> because I couldn't do anything with my arm. Like I couldn't hang from it. Like I just started doing some of that stuff at 16 weeks. So that was a really long recovery. And then actually the neck issue kind of haunted me for about a year. Um, a lot of uh, weakness and stuff into my left arm from the, the nerve injury from the disc. So, you know, and, uh, I'm a master's athlete. And so I think, you know, you think sometimes things take longer to heal up or whatever, but, um, something that I want people to know is you can come back from injuries and you can get back to and do better than you did before. You know, uh, this year at bone frog, I won the female elite category two years ago. I got my band cut, you know, and I'm older <laughs> and I've been injured twice since then. Right, two so serious it's injuries. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really a mindset. It's staying positive. Um, I'm a realist, but I know that, that positive thinking and do the work and you'll reap the rewards from it. So I'm, I'm still enjoying everything. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's some great lessons there, especially seeing you come back essentially stronger than you were before. I know if I get something, most of my injuries are pretty passing. I, I don't really have anything serious besides... Uh, tore my pec a couple of years ago but uh that's pretty much it for the last i don't know 20 years of working out and yeah i've never really had any like overuse injuries so which is good because most people you know what, what we do with ultra endurance and things like that people tend to have those overuse injuries i just seem to have something catastrophic happening yeah. <laughs> i find that sometimes if i get like a minor injury you know then i can't train for a little bit and i i come back mentally stronger because i've I've experienced what it feels like when you're not allowed to train and then you can be more appreciative when you're like, all right, you know, at, you know, it's 5 a.m. and I feel sorry for myself that I'm getting up for a run, but at least I can run, right? At least I'm not injured or something like that. So the first, first few times back running was really scary because I didn't want to re-injure my foot. And, uh, you know, I remember I went down to St. Louis and Jason and I went running and I was like, I just ran five miles. I'm like, that feels so awesome. You know, <laughs> you know, and I know I can run 50 miles, but you know, it, it put lights a fire in you. It makes you appreciate what you have and what you can do. Um, when you can, you know, when you can't do it. Right. You mentioned be you're a master's athlete. Do you feel like you've had to change anything in your training kind of as you've gotten older? Yeah. Um, I would say the recovery process just it has to be more on point meaning um i'm someone i i've just learned that i need sleep sleep is something for me that has helped me heal tremendously um and then you know nutrition the timing of nutrition those sorts of things i don't know, maybe i'm just wiser <laughs> as i get older but uh to me those things come more into play with recovery is uh taking the time needed to recover 
but for me, it's sleep uh, and nutrition and hydration. Those sorts of things have, uh, I pay more attention to them because they seem to make a more of a difference um, with my abilities now. Yeah. Sounds like great advice. I know, you know, just from looking at some of my peers, you know, all the micro decisions you make day to day become cumulative. So, you know, if you're in your twenties and you're making bad micro decisions, like not sleeping a lot or not eating right, it usually doesn't really have that big of a, an impact because, you know, you've only been doing them for a couple of years versus if you're 40 and you've been drinking every night and, you know, getting six hours of sleep a night, those cumulative micro decisions add up. And, you know, a lot of those guys who uh, were not as kind of strict or sticking to their diet or their sleep schedule that I uh, used to train with, a lot of them are uh, significantly out of shape now. And uh, I feel like I'm getting better and stronger and faster every year so yeah that's what i said i mean i've i've gained a lot of strength in in my upper body you know and i'm, I'm a woman and i'm getting older so that's, that's, I, sometimes that's, it's like beating your head against the wall i will say you know this time with the foot my speed is i mean that's that's really lacking so my next block of training is gonna work on getting my speed back up because i'm, I'm confident in my aerobic ability and my distance um, but I'm not fast enough yet. <laughs> well, you do have some pretty good results that I read off at the beginning. Let's talk about some of the smaller race series you've done. So you've done the Abominable Snow Race. Uh, you did that in 2018, so you didn't do this past one. Uh, what was your – give people some of your thoughts on the Abominable Snow Race because I was there that year also. You know, I I really enjoy some of the smaller race series. Um, you know, it feels, you know, a little more personal and – when you know the people that put on the races and stuff too, it makes it a little, uh, a little bit more fun, you know, definitely very challenging on a ski hill with snow and you don't know what you're going to get either. Is it going to be freezing or, you know, sleet and snow. So I like those different like challenges put in there. Um, you know, sometimes the crappier the conditions, the better I might do <laughs> on some races like that. But the snow race was very fun. Um, there's a lot of fast people there last year too. Um, yeah, it's like the only race in the Midwest during that time of year. So yeah, like, so everybody go, everybody goes. Yeah. This year I couldn't. My daughter had a gymnastics competition that weekend. Yeah, I think Breck and Cracker won the last two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe. So yeah, and I think Jordan Buscemi, who's we've had on this podcast before, who's super fast, got like yeah. uh, second or third in 2018. Uh, John mm-hmm. Penlin was one of the other guys on the podium. And yeah. I think this year he finished fourth, which like. I can't even remember a non like national series race that he hasn't been on the podium. Yes. So yeah, there's crazy, you know, some, that's, what's good about to draw some, you know, big names. So that's really fun for, you know, people like us who just, you know, I love seeing the, the top end athletes at, at races. Right on. What else do you have planned for uh, 2019 <clears throat> as far as kind of um, more unique races? Uh, unique races. Ooh. Um. I don't think I'm doing any like real small race series ones except in, um, well, in September, I'm going to do the Highlander Assault, which is a small race series here in Chicago. Oh, that one looks um, good. Yeah. I've had that on my schedule good. the last two years and I always have like, uh, I think, uh, Conquer the Gauntlet conflicts with it this year. This yeah. One. So that's one of the, the smaller local races, um, that I'm going to be doing. Um, I've got Tough Mudders and Spartans, um, most of that, most of those are, are covering the rest of my uh, race series. And then I'll do World's Toughest Mudder in November. That's, that's the big one again. 
Nice. Uh, are you doing toughest mutters too, the 12 hour one? I'm going to do the one, uh, the Midwest toughest uh, in July, and that's in Minnesota, I believe. Yep, I'll be at that one. Cool. Yep, I'll be there. Should be fun. So, yeah, I've got about a race a month uh, over the summer um, until November. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, I know you're also a uh, representative for Neptune and uh, FNX uh, Sports Supplements. So give us a little bit of rundown on, on those. Yeah, uh, Neptune uh, Performance uh, System. That is your uh, way to stay warm <laughs> in any condition. So it's a, a system of, uh, it's comprised of a, um, a shirt that has uh, the ability for the hot hands packs to uh, go into these waterproof pouches. Um, so you can put the heaters all around your core and you can use two or six of them, however many you want to. But um, even when you're wet going in and out of uh, those, you know, mud pits and whatnot, it was with OCR races, it, you have the ability to stay warm. And uh, that's, uh, that product has, has saved me. I uh, got frozen on a few races several years ago and I have not frozen since I started using the Neptune performance product. I really like that. Um, F, FNX Sport Nutrition, um, it's some of the supplements that I use, they, uh, they have awesome, you know, how they make their product to the ingredients. Um, you know, you can see how many grams of stuff is in there. It's not just says, you know, their proprietary blend with, you know, pixie dust in. Um, I've really, uh, in it, like I said, as a master's athlete, I take nutrition and supplements and those sorts of things, uh, very seriously. And I've tried a lot of different products and that one just seems to work the best for me. Um, so definitely those two things I, I use all the time. <clears throat> awesome. I've not tried FNX, uh, sports supplements, but yeah. I am a big fan of the Neptune shirt. Obviously I wear it at all yes. my toughest and world's toughest events and cold weather OCRs. So, uh, whether you, you head over to Jason Rulo's Neptune performance actual page and you can pick it up there. And mm -hmm. we also sell it on the strength and speed website. And I used to have a $10 off code on there. I think it expired now, but um, <laughs> try to get that back up and working for you if anyone wants to order that. So this year you also, I know you've represented a couple different brands in the past. You're on the Battlegrounds team. Mm -hmm. um, you're now on Alpha Racing and also the yeah. Speed uh, Development Team. So yeah. the development team, you know, I think we have a pretty wide range of athletes from, you know, pe people who are more beginners trying to get a little bit better at the sport all the way up to uh, higher end athletes like yourself. So tell us a little bit about uh, Strength and Speed Development Team for those who don't know kind of what it is. Well, I was first, you know, found out of it after I met you. Um, I can't remember exactly when we met. And then I heard about Strength and Speed, the performance thing. And I saw that, you know, you guys kind of put a team together. And I saw that it was, like you said, groups of all different sorts of people, obviously like-minded with obstacle course racing, but different people can bring different things to the table to help with, you know, nutrition or training and different things like that. Um, and I love all of the different discussions that people have and it being a, you know, an interesting group that way, it really, um, I respect you a lot and everything you've done in the OCR world. And I thought if I wanted to be on a team and help represent something, um, something that you did, I thought was, was pretty fantastic. 
Cool. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, there is a lot of great ad- advice. I mean, you just look at your resume alone and uh, that's a lot of value added to the group. You know, and then we have William Shell in there who's a physical therapist. We have Luke Labonte, mm-hmm. who's the Conquer the Gauntlet Protein yeah. Dietitian. He's in there. Uh, Jared Renier from J Run Fitness is in there. And then we have a whole bunch of, you know, Justin's CrossFit Level 1 certified. And I yeah, mean, there's so much knowledge in there. And it's, it's enjoyable uh, having, you know, discussions with everybody. I feel like almost half the group or more has some sort of fitness certification, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, NSCA or uh, NASM or something else. I feel like every, every, yeah. almost everyone there. So yeah, we do get some good discussions. Also like to have a little fun in there. So occasionally poke, uh, post funny things in there. But um, For sure. And I try to post weekly workouts in there too. So uh, if you want to get into the development team, we do applications in January of each year mm-hmm. where you can apply and then get in. If you don't want to wait till January, essentially there's a pay for entry, which I just actually modified on the site. I was having it as like a monthly type thing and I just kind of switched it to a, you know, single payment, uh, kind of gets you in the door. So just kind of a way to, you know, we keep the group small and uh, close knit without it getting too big. And then you get the problems you have in the other OCR groups where there's, you know, one person asks a question and you get 50 answers and 50 half, answers. Yeah. Half, half of them are bad. You know, yes. of them are good and a quarter of them are, you know, like, I guess you can do that. If it's probably not going to hurt, but you know, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, and that's one of the reasons I like the just obstacle course racing and, and OCR really um, for me on an intellectual level too. Uh, it definitely um, makes me think about things. Um, it's helped me with my job and my career and, and working with athletes. And, um, you know, it's, it's helped me get into some niche clientele, even in the kind of the little, little place where I live in Illinois. Um, everybody knows that I'm the OCR athlete <laughs> oh, nice. and also a sports medicine, physical therapist. So, you know, when anything comes to running or training, those are the types of, type of patients that I get to see. Yeah, that is good because there's a different yeah. mind. You get a different mindset with athletes than you do with you know the average person who just gets injured. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I could see it at work where the, you know the, the trainers we had uh, that would work with us. You know, you, you could be very honest with them. And be like, here's what I want to do. Like, like, all right, I'm injured. I'm gonna run a 50k in three weeks, and they're like, okay, you know, I should tell you not to do that, but let's figure out a way that we can make this safe right as safe as possible we know you're still gonna do it so let, let's yeah <laughs> gotta put a band-aid on it for now or yeah. yeah there's some people i just i'll shut them down too i'll say no you just you need to make a different goal for later on in the season or something but right yeah yeah like when i mean when i tore my pec i was like all right i'm gonna do a 50k in like a month and he's like well does it hurt when you run and i was like no and he's like okay then that's fine but don't do anything stupid like try to catch yourself into a push-up position after you fall. Yes. <laughs> eat eat it when you hit the ground, right? Just like face plant. <laughs> we'll worry about that later. So, yeah. Kelly, well, uh, thanks for having, thanks for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Uh, before we let you go, any final uh, shout outs you want to give to friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? We haven't covered already. Or again. Or, or again. Um, yeah. First off, I'd like to give a shout out to Jason Rulo and Net- tune performance products of course um i don't just say that because he's my boyfriend but it's a great product too um <laughs> fnx sport nutrition for uh, my supplements and then also uh, kyle long um, with apex athlete 
that's who I do all of my uh, remote training with. And he is an obstacle course racer and a ultra runner. So he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge and he's really helped me over the last three years, um, you know, to improve my ability. So I give, I give a lot of credit to him and his, uh, his uh, training programming. And of course my family for always, uh, supporting me in my uh, crazy endeavors in OCR. Awesome. Sounds like you have a good support structure there helping you out and helping you crush your goals. And obviously you're doing very well. So thank you. Great talking to you before I let everyone go. uh, We'll do a quick announcement as far as stuff to look out for, for me. So in addition, if you haven't been following OCR world championships, uh, please start following them, check their website on the news section. I'm publishing almost weekly articles through them. Some of them are opinion-based. Some of them are a little more information you need to know if you're going to Enduro, NORAM, or OCR World Championship type stuff. And speaking of, you know, less popular races like Bone Frog or, you know, one-off races like Abominable Snow Race, Frontline OCR, uh, you can head over to the Team Strength Speed website. We just opened pre-order for my newest book. It's called Mud Run Guides Ultra OC. I'm sorry, that's not the name of it. It's good. <laughs> I, I shouldn't start. It's your other, two books. It's your other I've, book. Yeah, I have two books that, they, that start exactly the same, and I'm so used to saying the other one. So the new book is called Mud Run Guides OCR Bucket List, right? So it is gotcha. a book, and it has a list of it's a hundred, and I think we're up to like 130 or so different ideas slash events that you can do. You know, if, if you want to kind of try something new. So some of them, like I'll give you kind of a rundown of some of the the chapters, right? So there's uh, one about swag. So if you're if you're in it for the medals, there's a list of races that have absolutely great medals. Uh, there's one about persistence. So things like Savage Syndicate or Tough Mudder Legionnaire or Trifecta, stuff like that, where you can show up to multiple races and get like a nice medal or a, you know, essentially achievement for that. There's one about history. So going back to the original roots of some of these brands. So example, Conquer the Gauntlet's uh, Tulsa race. There's information about the reality shows that have had OCR included. There's information about challenge yourself. So things that if you're looking for the next level challenge, like keeping your band at a certain series, has some recommendations there. It has 24-hour OCRs as another chapter. OCR Plus, which is like OCR plus CrossFit or plus weighted carriers or plus triathlon, things like that. Um, local races, which I think is the best chapter in the book. It covers things like the Abominable Snow Race, Highlander, which we mentioned, uh, frontline OCR. So all these, all these races that do one-off Indian mud run, things like that, that have these absolutely great events with these great followings. And they cost about a third of the price of some of the, uh, the bigger brands. And I think you get a better experience. Uh, my personal opinion there. Um, OCRs with great parties, international travel, uh, if you can win it all. So if like, if you're a podium contender, some of these, some races where you can win some pretty cool stuff and uh, kind of coverage of the championship races, kind of what makes them different and a little bit about their history. So that's, again, that book is called Mud Run Guides OCR Bucket List. It is now open for pre-order and we should be starting to ship them to you in April. So you'll have them in hand by the end of April. Uh, The coolest thing about that is it's not just me writing it. You know, I obviously put the majority of the work in, but we had contribute contributions from basically a dozen plus people. Some of them submitted pictures. Some of them uh, wrote from their personal experiences, a lot of these different events. So whenever it was possible, we actually got someone who physically went to each event and to give you essentially a recap of it. 
So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great book, obviously. And it highlights actually every uh, OCR World Championship and North American OCR Championship qualifying event in the USA. So the book is heavily based around USA races, since that's where most of our experience lies. But it does cover some international ones and some destination races, like Bermuda Triple Challenge and stuff like that. So head over, check that out. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Mike Stefano from Optical uh, Running Adventures uh, posted an Instagram thing and it said, you know, if you want more OCR books, you need to support the ones that are out. So this is another OCR book. And uh, if you also pick this one up in the back, there is a one-page kind of preview of the next project I'm working on, uh, which will be out also later in 2019. So that's all, yeah. I, will, that's all I will give you for that. <laughs> well, that book sounds awesome. That will be like of historical value someday as well. Yeah. When someone goes back, you know, like looks back at all the races and the smaller series and stuff to remember them by. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. So the I also kept some of the races that actually went out of business. I kept some of them in the book. And the reason mm-hmm. I kept some of them in the book is, one, there's always a possibility that there's a new investor that comes along, right? Right. Resurrects Battlefrog. Probably not mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, two, <laughs> I think there's lessons to be learned from that, um, whether that yeah. be you know, going too big too fast or just some of their ideas, right? Like just because a company went out of business – um, doesn't mean every idea they had was bad. I think you can cherry pick some of their good ideas and mm-hmm. be behind some of their bad ideas. And then on top of that, you know, some of these smaller, especially the smaller ones, go out of business, not because they're losing money, but just because it's not worth the time or effort, right? If you're spending, yeah. you know, hundreds of man hours every year and you finish a race and you don't, you may like, you know, you're not making a living wage off of it. You know, you still be making, might be making money, but, you know, maybe that is, you know, it's more time and effort than it's worth. So, yeah, I think that's what you see with some of the, the local ones or the small ones, but some of them, they're awesome, you know, you know, like Battlegrounds is no longer, you know, I love that one, but, you know, different reasons for not having them anymore. A Dirt Runner, another one. I did lots of years at Dirt Runner. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first time I remember meeting you was at Dirt Runner. Yeah, I think so. And I know Taki has plans mm-hmm. to take Dirt Runner on the road. So yeah. we're hoping. I guess that, that permanent course is what I was talking about. Yeah, the permanent I, course is place. gone. Yeah. 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 But there are still, uh, there's also a chapter on permanent courses, um, which includes mm-hmm. things like Noob Sanity. Um, again, we've had Jarrett Newby on here before, but absolutely, he puts an absolutely great event and a great uh, obstacle series in his mm-hmm. backyard, which sounds ridiculous until you actually see the course. And then you're like, oh, no, this is legit. Like this is, this is better than some big brands I've been to as far yeah. as quality of obstacles here. So yeah, go ahead and check that out. Give it a pre-order and uh, I will make sure it's in your hand by the end of April. And uh, yeah, a lot of mud run guide contributions there and a bunch of the strength and speed athletes contributed pictures and some of the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team also contributed pictures and some content there. So it's going to be a good one. All right, Kelly, thanks again for joining me. And I will see you, I don't know, when's the next time I see you? Uh, I don't know. Are you doing Toughest Midwest? Yeah. Okay. It might be July. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully before then. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll be at a lot of CTGs and Tough Mudder related stuff this year. Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, in May I have a Tough Mudder in Missouri. 
All right. Well, I will see you around. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. All right. Bye. Bye.